gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. But today is definitely one of those dumb and dumber. Our pets' heads are falling off moments, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All the Toronto sports teams suck. Yeah. Um, we are in a lockdown, and now it's snowing. So yeah. that's it's not it's almost May. Yeah, I I had a Christmas song in my head this morning. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Christmas. It's Christmas is not at all. Old no. Chris Kringle's not making his saunter down the lane. You know? <laughs> Does he saunter? Oh, he saunters, buddy. Yeah, actually, no, he definitely saunters. He's a he might have invented sauntering. Mm-hmm. All time sauntering. Yeah. If you made a Mount Rushmore of saunterers. Honestly, I don't know who the runner-up would be. I don't know who no. would be at the, even competing with him at the top of that list. I'm actually upset this morning for a different reason. You and I always mock the young people don't know who the 1990s rapper is segments. <laughs> yeah. But this morning I made a reference to a particular character that I was shaped by in many ways. Mm. I shouldn't say shaped by. That makes me sound like a jerk. But influenced by, comedically, who had an impact on my life, which was Eric Cartman. And our producer, Daniele, producer Daniele, didn't know who that was, didn't understand my references, had never heard of him. And I knew this would upset you as well. And this is one where I don't blame his youth because he's 24. He should know better, right? And I, I feel as though he now has homework and has to watch South Park, that he has to watch it, and that that's required viewing to be a member of our show. How do you feel about that? Well, I don't want to dump on poor poor defenseless Daniele. No, dump away. No yeah, he ability. He, he has no it. ability to even weigh in and defend himself. That's but, um once you the, admit that you don't know who that is, you don't get the you don't get any recourse. You don't get any I, defense. I think the key part of the argument, all you really need to know is that South Park is still on and still very relevant. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, it, it's it's still part of the yeah. public sphere today. They're yeah. making new episodes as we speak. Yeah, Trey Parker is hammering some Big Macs right now, trying to get that episode ready for this yeah. weekend. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Daniele, so you don't get to watch sports tonight, all right? <laughs> You're not watching sports. You watch South Park. And also, I want Daniela to start at the beginning and have to go through countless references and stories that he oh, has yeah. no idea yeah. what they are. That's... Oh, yeah. That's Terry yeah, like hey. Shivo. You're gonna have to go back and read some newspapers about who Terry hey. Shivo was, and yeah, watch that episode and know what the hell's happening. It's a history lesson now. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's a history <laughs> lesson. We're doing you a favor. We're giving you a history degree. So yeah, you said it. Toronto sports. Um, it's been better. I have mm. felt better about the state of uh, Les Equipes, uh, the the teams. <laughs> I I uh, I would like it if they were doing not as bad as this. It's funny because the Raptors have won three straight, and that's bad. <laughs> so the yeah. rap you really don't want the Raptors to be the team rattling off wins right now. So I have compiled a list for you today. Mm-hmm. I would like to do Toronto concern ratings. Mm-hmm. So basically, I have written down I want to say eight or nine things that. Have been on my mind as of late. 
some I believe more concerning than others. And I'd like to, you to give me a meter one through five. Five being a full-blown catastrophe, one being no concern at all. Mm -hmm. If you throw in some decimals, I'm not going to hate you. Why, why don't you just do ten? Why are you doing five? Because five. I made the list. I made the segment. I decide the rules. One through five. Why does it have to be ten? One through five. Well, because now I'm like, I need to parse between, like, there's too much of a difference the, between oh, three and I'm four. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. The math Six leap. and seven. Yeah, seven no. is no. clearly, you can see yeah. the delineation between six and seven, but then what? So now I have to go like three and a half? Okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Figure it out. You're an idiot. Is it really that hard for you to understand no, that three is half of six? Though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I just want to clear it with my mathlete, with the guy who proudly showed me a photo of him in math club in, I believe, grade eight, and has trumpeted that statistic out, that factoid seven. out, every single time you <laughs> use analytics that you don't understand as, right. as, as cited evidence that you do, even though. You you don't understand. You don't understand. Hey, good news actually, Mathlete, is that the Leafs expected goals for percentage oh, yeah. it's been higher lately. So no, that's good. If if we were playing expected goals for Leafs right. Stanley Cup. I I hope that the analytics community holds that near and dear to their heart if the Leafs get bounced. They in the should first award round. an yeah. expected Stanley Cup. Toronto yeah. Maple Leafs twenty twenty one expected Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. Yeah, we, they should honestly just play the games differently. You know, you get the the GF percentage, boom, winners. Winners, winners. Don't even have a score. Be like little kids. And then at the end of the game, you just find out, you know? The arbiter comes down and tells you, uh, goals for percentage, you have won. <laughs> get rid of the nets entirely. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, D my guy, Dave, don't call me Daniel Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> would uh, would be very very pleased with that. So let's start with that one because it's uh, top of mind. Yeah. Toronto concern ratings. Leafs goaltending. I mean this this is a layup, right? To start, I don't know how anyone can watch what's happened here recently and not put this at a five or higher. If you want to, you know, really make a point, you can say ten out of five because it could not be more concerning during the five game losing streak. Save percentage is 858. Like, it's abominable. And the one guy that has proven to be the most consistent, most reliable, is still on the shelf. He's skating with mm -hmm. the team, but there's a lack of clarity as to whether he'll be even able to play NHL games before the postseason. Plus, he's been an abject disaster in Game 7s. If it ever gets to that point, playoffs have not been his finest moment that this could not this is top of the mountain i thought you might build to this but starting with this there's there's no other take than this is a five i'm gonna give it a four you're an idiot <laughs> you're such a contrarian how could it be a four just hear my case okay <laughs> what are you talking about it's a four, it's a four. <laughs> you're an idiot it's a four here's why my biggest concern with Dave Riddick, is why the Leafs gave up a third-round pick to get him. Tweeted this last night, but yeah. he's checked Michael Hutchison. I don't really see... Do you know that they're like the exact same height, the exact same weight? Everything about them is the exact same. Different hands. The only difference is... 
okay, hooray, hooray, hurrah. I guess they they really thought that that was really going to mess with the team. Leafs goaltending depth was something that they clearly wanted to address, right? And Riddick's an unrestricted free agent, and a third-round pick in the grand scheme of things is not that big a deal, except for when you're a team that doesn't have a lot of picks yeah. and should probably covet them in a different way. So what has Riddick done other than ice out the Leafs? I, I thought it was really, really funny because... When I did that hit on Calgary Sports Radio that people tweet at me about when Big Save Dave um, lets in goals that Patrick Laleem would say, oh, you can't have that. That's completely (laughs) unacceptable. There was a moment in time when I went on that radio station and they were basically asking me to apologize for saying that I didn't believe in him. And I took heat from Calgary fans when I said, call me in the playoffs when Big Save Dave arrives and carries you to the Stanley Cup. Because my argument at the time when I went on that station was Calgary needed to address their goaltending via the trade market. That they needed to go out and they had to go make some splashy move and try and address it with a goalie. And they said, nope, we have Big Save Dave. I saw some people from Calgary in my mentions about how they never believed in him. That's a lie. I'm sorry, that's a lie. You might have come around to not believing him, but there was a moment in time where Big Save Dave was, well, he's only been in the NHL this long and blah, blah, blah. There was a case. There was a case. There was a case. There was a case. I'll go to my grave knowing it. He's never going to play in the postseason. There's no scenario where that guy plays in the postseason. He's cannon fodder for the regular season, which again brings me to the question as to why him? Why you? Uh, Like uh, Senior Chang from Community. They say, why you? Why not math? That's what I think about when I'm watching Riddick. Okay, he's there to absorb some regular season games down the stretch. Fine. I don't think that's worth the third-round pick. I think it's probably best if you just went out there with Hutchison or that it's a negligible difference. But, hey, who cares? Jack Campbell's been solid. We're, I've, been, I've been bringing up the Jack Campbell thing recently or the Freddie Anderson that Leaf fans who have stomped on him just need to be a little bit more fair in terms of evaluating the goaltenders because new is something where people always get excited for the new thing because potential is what we have been raised as sports fans of a certain era to care about almost more than actual results and, and pedigree, right? Freddie Anderson's old news. Freddie Anderson's let in bad goals. He's hurt you before. Jack Campbell comes in, rips off 12 wins, and all of a sudden you think you've got the Messiah in net when in reality... He was backing up Freddie Anderson all along for a reason, and that what I've said from day one remains true. All goalies let in bad goals. Not it's like a that part of the game. Goal yesterday. No, that was the not like the those. No, that was well, the- there was also Hutch against the Senators, but I, the fact that I had to think about those goals mm-hmm. made me pretty upset that Riddick was in net. I still believe that if Freddie Anderson comes back and Jack Campbell is his backup or the guy that is the 1B to his 1A, that the Leafs goaltending is ultimately fine, that it is not a Achilles heel for the team. To me, the biggest concern why it's a four is because of the cap implications we talked about earlier, right? Where Freddie Anderson, who's rollerblading around Vancouver and practicing, might not be able to get to net before the postseason. I also have this thought, quickly, I want to float by you. Maybe it's good for Freddie Anderson that he doesn't have to play games before the playoffs and there's zero 
room for him to have a bad start or a bad game that gives him a shake of the confidence, that he just steps in, it's a clean start, it's a fresh slate, starting in the playoffs when things matter. Thoughts? Well, especially if he goes down to the American League for five games is is possible and kills it. He says, you know what, this is my time to shine, the lower league, and comes Mm -hmm. away with like five straight shutouts or something. Uh, I mean, the opposite could also be true, <laughs> where he lets in a couple of soft goals, doesn't even look like a dominant goaltender at the American League level, and his confidence is totally shot, stepping into a playoff scenario for a Toronto Maple Leafs team that has Stanley Cup aspirations. But, yeah, I can see that possibility. I, I, I would want to keep anybody with any confidence issues away from this hockey team right mm-hmm. now that's lost five in a row, that all of a sudden their lead is shrinking atop this division. The Maple Leafs also right now, it reminds me a little bit about the Blue Jays, which we'll get to in a second, but where, okay, I get it. Goaltending is a concern because I put it at a four. Mm -hmm. That your guys are all dealing with confidence issues. Riddick's hanging his head because he's letting in bad goals. Jack Campbell's talking to the media as though he's never won a hockey game in his life. Freddie Anderson's already outlined to, or at least it's been reported by the likes of Elliot Friedman, that he felt as though his his injury impacted his play. Playing hurt impacted his play. So all of these guys are dealing with things mentally because they know the pressures of this season and that they will ultimately be a scapegoat if even one thing goes wrong. There's also, to me, a little bit of, hey, Toronto Maple Leafs, you're the team that, while more defensively responsible, is supposed to score more than two goals. Is supposed to score more than three goals or be capable and really look like you're doing it. So, yeah, okay, you ran into a hot Braden Holtby one night. That's fine. The power play scored yesterday. That's great. Tavares has been going better, and Nylander was awesome last night. So but even still, without Zach Hyman, without Nick Foligno in this lineup, I still expect the Toronto Maple Leafs to put up a, a bunch of goals against a team like the Vancouver Canucks coming off of a COVID restriction. So... If, if they can find themselves, if they can get a little bit more goal scoring, if they can up those shooting percentages, I think goaltending also becomes a, a less pertinent issue. So but I'm the, giving it a four. But that's why it is a cons- that's why it's a five for me because the bar is so low. It's average, like slightly below average goaltending. And, and even against good teams, we've seen yeah. it against the Winnipeg Jets, who I think is the scariest team the Leafs are going to play in the pl- in the playoffs. They're not going to get better goaltending than the Jets, and that's mm-hmm. I'm not requesting that they do. They just might. get average goaltending. Don't get David Riddick yesterday. Holy cow. Yeah, that was bad. So I'm going to jump off of the Leafs. I'll come back to it. Actually, just because I mentioned it. Let's do – so goaltending, you gave a five. I gave yeah. a four. It's insane, yeah. Okay. So four and a five. I'm documenting these. Leafs power play. Concern ranking out of five, please. Oh, they're red hot. What are we talking about? Three. Three. Okay. It's not me. <laughs> They're red hot. They're smoking hot. That was smart, too, to extend the six on five on the delayed mm-hmm. uh, penalty to, to try and yeah, exhaust the, the poor part of the penalty, uh, the power play. Because, I don't know, for whatever reason, by the time there's like 15, 20 seconds left in these power plays, that's when they get their best chances. They, they yeah. need to really warm up for them. So uh, it, it hasn't made sense for the last month and a half. It continues to not make sense. At least they had zone possession for an extended period of time. It was a nice mm-hmm. shot by Tavares. They really were keeping the puck to the outside, though. Holy crap. Uh, yep. But, yeah, it's a three. What I liked about yesterday was what Stewie pointed out during the intermission of how they moved Tavares around. And that's all I ask is that every once in a while things look different. When things aren't working, that you try something new. And oftentimes 
you don't want to deviate from the plan in sports because the plan is working and you're just getting unlucky. But it was pretty clear that a lot wasn't going their way. And part of it was that they kept doing the same things over and over and over again. So I'll give the power play still a four because I, I need to see it look dominant for a stretch going into the postseason. I need to know that they're completely out of that funk and they're not afraid of it. My real concern and why it's a four is that they go on a little bit of a slump in the playoffs, even if they get out of it during the regular season, right? They go 0 for 10 on the power play in the postseason. Are those ghosts going to pop back up? Will those mental hurdles resurface? I think once you deal with... I'm sorry, this just sports trauma. And maybe that's what that is. That those things can pop up later for you. That... It can be an issue down the line, even if you've corrected it for a few moments at the time. So, Leafs power play is a four. Well, did David Ray go down as um, a footnote in Toronto Maple Leafs history? Is that the last we'll ever see of him? Probably not. When you have a third-round pick invested in a guy, yeah, probably want to trot him out there again, especially if you're not bringing back Freddie Anderson before the end of the regular season. But that was as bad as it gets. It doesn't get worse than that. You know what I just thought? What? I wonder if any goaltender in the history of the franchise, an original six franchise, has performed as well against the Maple Leafs as Riddick has and as poorly for them Mm. as Riddick has. That's interesting. I don't have an answer off the top of my head. Perhaps our next guest does. It's like Andrew Raycroft maybe would have had a time where... <laughs> well, that's the thing, but it's mostly the badness with the team that yeah, yeah. is weighing... No, but he thing. won... No, you forget that. That guy won the Calder. Was, yeah, it was rookie of the year. So uh, I'm sure he had a... But but no, I don't can remember a guy like Riddick having two games against the Leafs where it was straight up... He was channeling his Czech uh, father, Dom Hasek for a couple of those where it was just, wow, they can't get one by him. He's just playing incredible. That level, that high of high. But again, recency bias is a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Johnson joins us online right now. He of the NHL and sports side, owner of many Bitcoins. Uh, what's going on, CJ? Rich guy. No, 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 not no. As, not as rich recently. <laughs> no, I, I, no, yeah. no, not as rich. Yeah, yeah we're not as no. rich, but we will be again. We, we, the, the South will rise again. <laughs> we'll be back. Oh, don't, if you're turning this into Bitcoin, don't worry. We're, we're, the bull run is still happening. It's all what good. What do you mean if no, we're turning this into Bitcoin? This is why we have you on. Is to, when we're feeling a little down about our Bitcoin, you come back on, you pump it back up. It's great. This is what we do. Here, I thought I was going to have to talk you off the ledge because of some no. Leafs goaltending, but it's no. the investments that are getting you down. No, not they're me. not getting us down. We're all on, no. buddy. We all Good time please. to buy now. Yeah, buy, buy, buy. More buying. Buy That's the dip. All. Yeah, yep, buy absolutely. the dip. That's <laughs> what we are. Buy the dip Bitcoin boys. No, that's all we wanted to have you on for was that we just wanted to say that we're still believing. Uh, Riddick yep. stock, down. Not buying no, that yep. while the dip's down. Not, but yeah. <laughs> just selling it before it hits zero. Yeah. Because, yeah, it could hit zero. Might be at zero. What are the odds that he, he never starts another game for this Leafs team? Oh, come on. I think they're a little bit low. I mean, look, I mean, it all hinges on Frederick Anderson. Uh, at least he's started skating again, practicing with the team. He's on the road trip. You know, I, I would think that there's a hope to get him in before the end of the regular season, uh, just based on the way things are going and, you know, the fact he is appearing to work his way back towards health. Uh, but, 
you know, I don't, I don't see Jack Campbell starting every game until then, uh, I guess, unless he gets on another heater. But, you know, this that, that probably wasn't David Riddick's last leaf start. I think, look, they're going to want to give him a chance to redeem himself or, or go yeah. back in there too. So, um, you know, it was a terrible third period, but, you know, I, I don't know that – I don't think that's the end. Yeah, and nor should it be, honestly. Like, yeah, for the reasons that you outlined. I, d- I did feel a little bad for Hutchinson watching that game because I don't know how different goaltenders those two guys are. I know Riddick has been better. He's also been given more opportunity and whatever. I, I just, for a third-round pick, yeah, at least had to discuss it yesterday. But you're right. He's going back in the net. He's got to have another opportunity. But the reason he's going back is because we're assuming Freddie Anderson is still not coming back, despite all those things that you mentioned. I threw the conspiracy hat on yesterday and said, hey, you know what? I'm starting to believe the idea that the Leafs went to him and said, this is how we're going to have to do it. How comfortable would you feel just jumping right into the playoffs if we guarantee you a start? I'm not going to ask you to report on that because you're actually a legitimate guy, and so you don't have to weigh into my crazy thoughts. But where are you at just in terms of what is going on with Freddie? It feels like it's super hush-hush outside of he was hurt, he doesn't want to play hurt, but there's at least got to be a template for this guy to get back on the ice, and the salary cap makes it seem as though it's impossible. I, I just don't know what the recourse is for this guy to get back before the playoffs. It, it just doesn't feel possible right now. Well, the cap's changed, though, in the last few days. You know, the, the Leafs put Scott Sabrin on long-term injured reserve yesterday, and then obviously Zach Hyman got, got injured in Sunday night's game on that, that kneeing hit from, from Alex Edler. Mm-hmm. And, you know... At this point, Hyman isn't on long-term injured reserve, but I wonder if he could end up there because they've called it a minimum two-week injury, uh, which isn't to say it will necessarily be two weeks. And so I, I do think that there's a path or there's a series of moves the Leafs can make to activate Frederick Anderson before the end of the, the regular season if he is healthy. Um, you know, that that still is the biggest question, though. Like, we, we don't have much of a picture into what he's dealing with. They they consistently refused to give timelines. I mean, I saw him out rollerblading on the Vancouver seawall yesterday and some photos people put out of, of Matthews and Thornton and him. And so, I don't know. You're trying to marry what they're saying with what you're seeing. And, and what we're seeing is he skated for at least a week. He took shots from teammates in practice on Monday. He's out rollerblading with the boys. I mean, it, it, it all points to him getting healthier. I, I, I don't know again what what he's dealing with but but especially if the goaltending is, is continues to be an issue i just think he's going to feel an internal push to come back and and you know they're they're going to want him in there and the Leafs can do more cap gymnastics than anyone so I, i'm not i'm not ruling out his return before the end of the regular season well if it's not hyman on ltir let's just play this out if it's not hyman on ltir where do you think it starts in terms of those cap gymnastics I think I think it has to include that, honestly. Um, you know, th- there's probably other ways it could happen that are very implausible. Like you're still able to make a trade after the trade deadline. That player just isn't eligible to play for the team he's traded to. So they could they could ship some salary out that way. But let's face it, we, we've we've covered this league a long time. I don't actually recall that ever happening, even though it is allowed. Um, so I think what's far more likely is that you know, Zach Hyman with the history, you know, with his knee history, it, you know, maybe isn't on the same timeline. They choose to put him on LTIR, which makes him have to miss at least 24 days in 10 games. Uh, and he's already missed one. So the clock's ticking already. Or it's already started because you can do that retroactively. You know, you've added Scott Sabrin. So there's a bit more room to, to play with there. I mean, you know, look, even Zach Bogosian went out of last night's game injured. Now they haven't provided 
they haven't provided an injury update on him uh, beyond saying it's going to be a little while, but they, they don't know the extent of the damage. You know, perhaps he's on LTIR as part of this conversation, and if all that happens, they, they definitely can have the maneuverability to, to activate Anderson again, assuming he gets healthy, because at this point we, we don't believe he is. Say they can't. Say they, the, the cap uh, situation does not allow them to play him in a regular season game. Do you think this organization... You want chaos, Ennis. You want chaos. I'm just asking about the possibility of this team playing him in game one of a postseason series where I guess he can go down to the American League and have some rehab games, but would they... Can you see a scenario in which he gets a start in, in a postseason series, maybe a game one, without playing a regular season game? That scenario is more plausible today than it was a week ago, uh, sure just because is. Jack Campbell has, you know, lost control a little bit of the net. It's not to say he's he's definitely not going to be starting game one, but obviously there's been some cracks in his performance. David Riddick hasn't done anything enough to to make you think that that he should get that start. And so, you know, if Frederick Anderson is healthy, I mean, stranger things have happened. I'd still, if we were doing this by percentage basis. You know, I, Campbell would still be the favorite for that game one start, but Anderson's stock has risen just merely by the fact he, he's getting back towards health, and, and Campbell struggled a bit. Um, and and so anything, man, like that would be crazy. I, I don't remember anything equivalent with a goaltender, honestly. And you know, one thing I should know: you're, you're right that he is eligible for a conditioning start or, or or two weeks in the American Hockey League, but they they have to be able to activate him to do that. So his cap hit would still count on the Leafs cap. And so, again, it's not to say they can't, but but that that was something to factor in uh, if they end up going down that course. If he gets the first start of the postseason and he doesn't play a game in the regular season, will you credit me and my conspiracy theory on headlines? Uh, no. Hmm. But I'll, I'll come on here and own it, though, with you guys. He won't even retweet the well, show. I, yeah, what? He's right. not he going to give you a show. Yeah, no. Like, what are you CJ does podcast with like eight viewers, and he's like, "I'll share it everywhere." And then ours, it's like, "No, uh, never. I would never." So that's a huge acknowledgement from you. I got to say, like that's a that's a big concession. We, we won't take hockey night in Canada. We'll just take the the ownership of it. So when it comes to Bogosian, we don't have an update. But let's play this one out. If he's hurt. Do you think they move Dermot to the right side and bring in Sandine, or is this what the trade was for? I think you're going to see more of a combination of both. I mean, between Dermot, Sandine, and Ben Hutton, you know, I, I could see some kind of rotation with those three players on the bottom pairing, and and maybe to see what works. I mean, one thing I'll say that that totally gets lost in last night's game is I thought Rasmus Sandine played pretty well, especially under the circumstances, and that was his third game in 13 months. Um, you know, the previous two, one of them, he blocked a, a shot with his foot in the HL and broke it and so didn't finish that game. And the, the other one was five minutes. He got with the Leafs uh, in early February in a game. You know, this guy hasn't played in a long, long time. And, and I thought, you know, in 17 minutes, give or take, he, he looked promising. And, and so I wouldn't have guessed. That, I mean, this is this is the fun part of sports, and this is kind of the crazy part of the Leafs situation is, is all of a sudden now he's in the mix to be playing the big games, uh, you know, Freddie Anderson's coming into the mix to be playing these games. We have these new players joining the team, you know, coming out of their quarantine today and flying to Winnipeg to, to join the team. I mean, everything is way more unsettled than it typically would be uh, with 10 games left in the regular season. And so, you know, I, I would think given that no one has a firm hold on those positions, be it Dermot Hutton or, or Sandine, that 
you'll you'll see kind of a rotation there, and then Sheldon Keefe will, will go on what's working best, and and you know set that as is what happens to start the playoffs. You know, assuming Bogosian is out for for a long period of time here. Uh, to that point about the new guys now being eligible to play for this hockey team traveling to Winnipeg, is it is there any acclimation process? Because I, I know Nick Foligno's been at his house in Sudbury and he's been working out. He hasn't been skating. Are they going to just throw, hey, uh, this team's lost five in a row. You're playing now your closest pursuer trying to fend them off for first place in the division. Uh, have at it, Haas? Or is there going to be a, a, a day or two to get acclimatized to this team? Oh, he's playing. I mean, I'd I'd be stunned just just given that he wants to play. I mean, that that would be the only determining factor is if he told them he needed you know wanted a little bit more time or a few more skates. But you know, I, I would presume you know today's the day they get out of the, they, they they serve their quarantines, satisfy the quarantine requirements. I would think one way or another they'll be skating in Winnipeg, not with the full team, or maybe skating here before flying there, and then you know they get tomorrow morning skate. And this is a veteran player that that. You know, it, it doesn't really matter, all things considered, how he performs in a Thursday night game in Winnipeg. It, you know, it's about having him as ready as he can be three or four weeks from now when the playoffs start for the Leafs. Uh, you know, I think that they'll want to give him as much exposure to the lineup, to his new teammates, to the to what he's dealing with here as possible. And so, you know, I would think he'll play a, a little less clear on Hutton. You know, I, I could see maybe wanting to ease him in a bit more, although the injury to Bogosian might might change that, but maybe you see a Dermot Sandin third pairing uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but certainly in Felino's case, uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't playing. Well, Ben and I did this segment on Monday about how, well, we did it with a doctor, about how our risk assessment has changed because of the pandemic. And I feel the same way about the seven-day quarantine thing, where going into the first bubble, there was this massive conversation about how long guys were off and that they couldn't skate and how it was going to affect them and how much there was going to be ramp-up time. Like, Felino not skating for seven days is a zero-factor problem. Like, how long is the NHL All-Star break? Guys don't skate during the NHL All-Star A lot of them don't. They go down and they have a trip. Like, you don't think guys go seven days during their off-season without skating and then they jump back out there and it takes them a little while? Seven days is fine. Like, don't you? do you agree or am I understating it? No, I agree. I mean, look, William Nylander's younger, but he just spent 10 days in isolation right. and came back and played 20 minutes and back-to-back or well, two, two games in three days and looked pretty good to me. So, yeah. you know, I, it, it, you're right. I think the condition of these athletes and the fact that, that you know, Felino was at his house in Sudbury where, you know, he's got an ability to, to do things that are different than if he was stuck in a hotel room on the 20th floor of downtown Toronto, uh, where, where maybe his ability to get exercise would be a little more limited. I mean, I, I don't think it's that big a deal. And, and the fact, as I say, that he can skate today at some point and tomorrow morning before the game, you know, he's playing unless yeah. he comes out of there feeling sick or something, which I, I doubt that's going to happen. Right. And so now we're back to the thing which is weird because Hyman's out so we're not going to get the look of this is what the top three lines actually look like and how they balance them out so I think at least this is my guess is that what the the top two left wingers as of now with no Zach Hyman are going to be Felino and they're going to be Galchenyuk and that's the look that they're going to give this team but down the lineup has not really been discussed that much because Robertson is there. I don't know if he's actually getting an opportunity to showcase himself. There's been a discussion about Thornton because he's not scoring and the skating is slowed down and maybe giving him a little bit more rest. I I really don't know who the guy is that's coming out of the lineup when this team is healthy. Do you, do you think this is kind of an open competition thing? Is there already buzz about guys being asked to sacrifice when they do get into these spots? Like, 
Do you have any clarity as to who the quote-unquote actual bubble guys are when it when it's the fully healthy Leafs forward group? Well, really, we're talking about multiple bubble guys if, right. if they get to a point where they're at full health. And and you have Polino coming in and then potentially Riley Nash coming in, although he's he's still out injured. Um, you know, Engvall is definitely on that bubble. I think Nick Robertson's on that bubble. I see, I see Robertson as unlikely to start the, the playoffs again. We don't know. We don't have a complete picture of who will be available for game one of the playoffs, but assuming it's everyone, I, I think Nick Robertson would be a scratch, but he would be sure. probably the next man up if they you know, were having trouble scoring, if they wanted to insert some energy in the lineup. Um, you know, but you still got to scratch one more than that, and I, I don't know if they would do one of the veterans, you know, be it a Simmons or a Thornton. I, 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 I certainly don't think they'd start that way. They might, they might end up there if, if it doesn't work. I mean, someone like Kerfoot could potentially even be squeezed out. I don't, I don't think it's likely, but it's not impossible. Uh, if, if they're fully healthy and you start writing down the lines, I mean, part of the benefit of Kerfoot is he can be moved up and down and he can kind of slide in as a winger or a center. Um, but any anything could – I mean, it, it could all sort of play out. I mean, I can't rule anything out. Probably the bigger question is do we ever get to a point where all of Zach Hyman, Nick Foligno – Riley Nash are healthy and able to play and, and going in the lineup. If, if we get to that point, someone notable will be scratched. It would have to be one of some, you know, something like Thornton, Simmons, or, or Kerfoot. Yeah, personally, or Spets, I, I, mean, I guess, but I, I don't see nah, them taking Spets him out. Is, no, Spets is one of the best players on the team. They're not scratching him. He's amazing. Well, Spets is out six on five last night, right? I mean, like he's, no, I know. he's, he, he, you know, he's he's produced for the minutes he plays. There is nothing. I still. This is one of the most shocking sports developments of my lifetime is going from a guy who, again, got asked to leave a bar because of Jason Spezza and was living in pure terror that they would win Stanley Cups and would keep beating the Leafs' brains in and hating Jason Spezza the Leafs' killer to me being like, if they decide to make Jason Spezza a member of Legends Row, I will have zero pushback. I love the guy. <laughs> I truly do. I enjoyed watching him so much this season. I can't remember a Leafs player that I enjoyed the way that I enjoy this veteran piece and just, you know, the stories that come out about him, the way he speaks and just the everything. Just like there's no Jason Spezza thing that I don't enjoy. So if he came out of the lineup, there would be a three-hour good show calling for jobs. <laughs> that would be it. That would be it. This is the whole show. This is all it would be. This is a Jason Spezza stan account. Yeah, to me, it, Robertson's not in there. And Engvall would certainly be a guy that if Nash can even skate at all, he's in. Like, I, I'd rather roll the dice on Nash over Engvall. I, I think the real difficult question comes down to whether or not you'd have a game where you scratch Joe Thornton. And for me, merit-based, I would say he should already be out. But based on all the other factors and what his importance is, I know this team and and sports in general go beyond that. And I... I have a tough time seeing it, especially in a game one. Like I, I just, I have a really, really hard time envisioning how Toronto operates. And the other part of it is, if this is no, going it, to be the it model, it would definitely not be game one. You're not starting right. with that exactly. as your idea. You're only getting there if you have no yep. other choice. Yep. Yeah, I figure the same thing. I, I wonder though how much of it is that they really do feel as though they've found a model here for continued success of being able to get these veterans to come around this core on the cheap and say, hey, you might be able to have a a cycle like Jason Spezza where you can turn I thought about this the other day Jason Spezza they say he's going to be a GM or that he's going to go into a front office but who would be a bigger media commodity in this city than Jason Spezza right like if he announced his retirement he says I'm retiring after the season and I'm taking all callers GM jobs and media I'm torn between the two like 
the offer he gets from one of the telecommunications companies is bananas because it's just he's his star power is so huge his legacy has changed so if you scratch Thornton, I wonder how that actually affects it. But this has to be the real model now, right? Like, this is going to be a continued thing that the Dubas and Co. do. Well, they're going to try. I mean, the, the, yeah. the problem I would see is that there's just not, it's not like an endless fountain of these guys around the league. Yeah. Um, but let, let's be clear that this is something like Mike Babcock was predicting this like early yeah. in his tenure, that if the team got good and, and sort of was poised to have a chance That's to true. win, the players would want to come back and play. And, and it has it has proven to be the case. I mean, especially in, with someone like Spets and Thornton playing on a league minimum, um, you know that that's that's got to be the template. Is you have to find players playing for under a million dollars that that can help and be you know of service to you lower in the lineup. And and they're going to have to continue to do that unless they ever revert from the plan and trade one of the core pieces and sort of rearrange how they're spending their they're allocating the cap dollars. But you know if they if they continue on with the big four forwards and and they, they end up paying money to keep Riley and all that stuff, not to divert this conversation in another direction. They're going to have to fill in around the margins. And I think this is a, I think it's been a good way to do it. Honestly, none of these players at this stage are perfect. Obviously there's some limitations, but you know what they're paying these guys. And I think what they're getting from them on an intangible level, but also in terms of contributions, you know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You get a shirtless rollerblader wearing uh, a GoPro or something. In Vancouver, well worth it. Uh, do you think that was Amazon? I got to think that was for the Amazon series. <sighs> you know what? That's a great. Yeah, point. that's a good point. That's a damn good point. That's yeah. obviously what it was. Like as soon as you <laughs> said it, I'm like, yeah, I'm an idiot. You're smart. Like, how, Joe how Thornton and I are in the same generation, and I can tell you, I would never even think to like have that contraption with the phone attached to it. And, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way that was his own volition. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but now I'm yeah. wondering though, how many times Amazon has had to be like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna see Joe Thornton naked to their camera mm-hmm. crew. They're like, okay, like yeah, the pixelated the, guy. He's yeah, like, he's yeah. dripping with sweat every day. Like he goes into that room yeah. and he's putting the pixels. And yeah. he's like, another did one. They know. Little did yeah. they know that the pixel guy for this Amazon series would be one of the most critical guys of the team. <laughs> They're like, listen, pixel guy, you're gonna be working overtime. We're gonna give you bonus pay. You're gonna get paid like the guys on Most Dangerous Catch because you get the you get the bonus pay. Uh, you get the the danger pay. You mentioned it. This show, and so this show is gonna be electric, though, guys. Dude, it's honestly. Be amazing. Like, yeah, think my, of like these last few days were dramatic enough with Nylander and the missed meeting and stuff. Like they got yeah. cameras in there. Like they're going to yeah. capture some of that stuff in real time. Yeah, my only fear is that if HBO with the twenty four seven series got so frustrated with the Maple Leafs that they shut down the series, that Amazon probably doesn't have the same journalistic principles when it comes to fighting over things on the cutting room floor. That it's basically yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, and that it's it's. I don't know. We've just we've seen these embedded videos before, these embedded shows. Like some are amazing, right? The Raptors one is incredible. It's unbelievably done and it's still done through, you know, NBA TV and it's not it doesn't seem heavily edited. It seems great. It seems really really transparent. But we have seen other ones and I won't name the ones that are bad, but that are basically PR pieces. And so I I'm trying not to get too excited just because Yes, there is there a version of this that could be the greatest television of my lifetime, essentially? Like, we're getting an F1-level docu-series here with the Maple Leafs? Yeah, but ugh, it's just the history of the franchise and the imprint that Lou Lamorello left behind. I, I have my doubts. Well, here's the thing. Early in the days of the pandemic, I watched the, the Man City one that Amazon did. 
Yeah. And I remember thinking literally, and I'm no, I'm, I'm certainly no Man City fan, but yeah. it was gripping. And I was thinking like, man, you don't even get this access to NHL teams when they do this. Like in their a Premier League club has like their star player in the middle of a knee surgery, you right. know, calling his teammates and stuff. And, and I just feel like Amazon wields a bigger hammer than we think. Mm. And I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot of editorial control built into this arrangement. I think that they're paying for the right to be there and, and, mm. You know, let's let's hope it's in. You know, I think it's good for the sport, honestly, because I watched the Man City documentary, and now I'm maybe a little more interested in them. I think that, that yeah. this could be the same for hockey; that people might just like this that, that aren't Leaf fans, if if it does allow that kind of access. The We're wielding a guys. bigger hammer than they think, and then the pixel guy is yeah. like the is they're doing the handshake okay, thing right now. Don't go is, there. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing you're doing the Twitter handshake meme right now. That was that one. Um, all right, last one. Just because it's no fun if we don't do this, and because you mentioned it, the Morgan Riley thing. He has not been playing very well, and it's starting to get a little bit of buzz. I. I think he's an own rental next year. I really do. I, I just I have a very very difficult time seeing a scenario where they re-sign him or that they can figure out a number that makes sense for both sides, especially considering that it's it's kind of like the Kyle Lowry thing where there's Malachi Flynn behind you and Fred Van Vliet, and you go, well, what are we supposed to do here? Eventually we got to see what we got. And they've got Rasmus Sandin, and they're investing a lot in him, and you just said it. He played 17 a night, and he looked kind of fine. How quickly do you think that story starts to surface? That's an off-season story, right? That's not a this one if he even starts to get shuffled around and his play is poor. Yeah, that that's not cooking up till July. I mean, it's not yeah. till July, and I can't remember the free agency day, 24th maybe. Yeah. But uh, whenever we hit the free agency day, the first day he can sign his extension a year out, you know, it'll get some buzz then, and then it'll slowly build through the summer if there isn't one. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very difficult uh, decision for the Leafs because Morgan means so much to the team. He's, he's you know, the longest tenure guy now. I, you know, I think he's a super – he's been a super – on and off the ice player and, and person for the organization. I think they, they value everything he brings, but you're right. From a business standpoint, they might have to make a tough decision there. I, I, th- I think the good news for them is they don't have to make the decision now. And, and I suspect they probably still don't know how it's going to play out, but you know, that that'll be, that'll be every time we talk next year, if he's not signed beforehand, that'll be what we're, we're getting on. That's going to be our docudrama next year. I would think. Mm-hmm. No pixels required. Uh, CJ, thank you. And uh, talk soon. All right, guys. Be well. Go Bitcoin. Uh, Chris Johnson, NHL on Sportsnet with the the big take that Amazon is powerful. Yes. (laughs) I would say. Guys, I think Amazon is pretty powerful. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't save that one for headlines. I know. I know. You don't want to let those things out into the public sphere uncontrolled. Uh, yeah, right. Jeff Bezos, he has a little bit of money. Uh, if yeah. you t- told, hey, uh, Leafs, here's what you're doing. You're all using the opposite side stick, okay? Yeah. Uh, Austin Matthews, you're using a right-handed stick now, okay? Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, Mr. Bezos, yes, sir, right away. But yeah, clearly that's what Joe Thornton was doing with that bizarre get-up yeah. yesterday. CJ, like, though, he's, he was on that one. That's true. That's clear. Well, it's not the get-up. It's the camera that he's holding, the GoPro, yeah, that's a basically. Get-up. That's, that's a get-up. Yeah. Okay, that's a get-up. I thought the get-up was the bag. When are you going to say the thing that I saw you put in the document? I was like, yes, thank you for doing that. Just do it. Tell the world that I was right about William Nylander. Oh, you were right about William Nylander. Sorry. I, we ran out of time, but 
I didn't even. Here's the thing. I didn't even bother asking CJ about the William Nylander no, situation because it's, it because it's, it's fine. Obvious. Yeah, it seems it's obvious. It's so and obvious. We couldn't use our cell phones for a day. He didn't even yeah. know there was a meeting. Uh, yeah. yeah, it seems fine. Everyone seems fine. It was the best leaf on the ice yesterday. He's taking the puck to the Dude. net, like, routinely. I just, my only, here's my only take on the Nylander situation. I wish it would have happened closer to the playoffs. Because time and time again, when the coaching staff kicks that guy in the ass and gives him a real, hey, this moment you you are being called upon to do something and be more responsible and be more mature and blah, blah, blah. He comes out with one of those. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was right because I said he was obviously going to play yesterday yes. when <laughs> when Sheldon Keefe <laughs> wasn't sure whether he was going to play or not. Oh, okay, goodbye. Um, <laughs> and then he did end up playing. Part of that also might be a cap thing. Uh, but yeah, he was always going to play. It's like my kids at dinner when they ask, whether they're going to have dessert. And I say, we'll see. If I don't say no right away, yeah, you're having dessert. And that's why uh, William Nylander played yesterday. When we come back, we'll get back into our uh, Toronto Concern rand- um, ratings because we didn't touch at all on the Toronto Raptors who are actually winning games, but that's a concern in and of itself. Good show continues. Sportsnet 590 The Fan.